We're going to be talking naturally about the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it clear to the disciples there would be no other way to do his work on the face of the earth but through the Holy Spirit. He made it clear. They said to him, uh, when are the prophecies going to come? When will the kingdom be restored? Uh, When will the Jewish people uh, come into their place in prophecy? And Jesus says, no, that's not for you to know. That's, That's not the important thing. What you have to know, what is important, is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he made it plain to them why. Because the infilling would give them the boldness to go and to preach the gospel. The gospel is one thing you can't do on your own. You can't preach it on your own. And maybe this is why we have so many problems today. Jesus made it clear that there would be no other way that his work would be done on the face of the earth. And listen, Old Blue Eyes has a song, I did it my way. But the Bible says, with God, you can't do it your way. Now that's, that's, that we must learn. It's important to us. We can't do it our way. Some people try. There are little incidents in the Bible which hold coins and nuggets of very profound truth. There is a rape, yes, a rape in the scripture. And it's a very sad rape because it's a brother raping a sister. This is what happens. Her name is Tamar. And his name is uh, Anan. Amnon, and uh, he falls in love with his sister, and uh, he says to his friend, I'm in love with my sister. So his friend says, well, you have no problems with that. You're a prince. Go to your father and tell your father that you're feeling very sick and that you'd like uh, Tamar to make you a porridge, uh, maybe some good old chicken soup, and and tell her to bring it, do it in your house, and nobody will think anything of it, so don't worry about that. We're talking about abuse. And she's so obedient, Tamar comes with her little, all her condiments to make her soup. And she makes it, and she's ready to serve it, and he looks into her eyes. And he says something to her. He tells her his intentions. uh, I'm in love with you, and I'm going to have you today. And she looks at him, and she's a little frightened. And this is what she says to him. My dear brother, it's not done that way in Israel. It's not done that way in Israel. And she even puts out a proposition. She says, go to our father. And if he grants you permission, I will be yours. And he looked at her in his passion and his fury and his 
condition just was not enough. What I'm trying to get at is the nugget. It's not done this way in Israel. We kind of forget when God gives orders and when God says how things ought to be done, we think we can do it our way. And you know what happened with that. After he had raped her, he then looked upon her and hated her as he had never hated anyone in the whole wide world. And that she couldn't understand. Why? Because there will never be an evil that will be followed by a good, and there will never be an evil that will be accepted as a good. But her thoughts were the right thoughts. Her situation, it's not done that way. And I want to tell you something today about ministry in, in the world, and you've got to just kind of hang on to your seats and, and listen to me carefully because I think I have something to teach you. Many a time, uh, we have disasters so visible in ministry. We have men that fall in sin. We have sexual sins. We have, hey, uh, money sins. We've got power sins. We've got all kinds of sins. Disasters have been seen. Now you say, well, if God founded his church and it's supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit, why do we find these disasters? Number one, we love to imitate. Oh, imitation is great. But you know something? I'm going to tell you something that's sweet, that's beautiful, and that maybe you don't know. There is nobody like yourself. You are unique. You are special. There's not another one of you, and if there's a twin, there's even something different about the twins. So when we go into imitating, we go into sealing a part of our life in which we say, what I have and what I am isn't good enough. So I'm going to be somebody else. Or who somebody else is looks more attractive than what you are. I remember as a child going to the theater, theater, movies. I remember going. And whoever I saw, I was that person for a week. A whole week, because I didn't go till next Saturday, then I could change my role. Oh, I remember the Betty Davis films. Do you remember them? You kids are too small, too young. My yuppie church doesn't remember all the characters I remember. But I'm going to tell you, there were some lines of hers that will never change. Howard, Howard, I swear to you, I did not write that letter. And then she marches up and marches down. And you say, that's Betty Davis. You see, sometimes in Christianity, we want to be somebody we saw. And we want to get up there. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Who are you imitating? I don't know. What channel was he on? But you got to be yourself. One of the problems and the disasters in ministry and in life is we love to imitate because somehow or other we're not satisfied with whom we are, with who we are. You've got to be satisfied. Look in the mirror, would you please, when you go home and say to the mirror, I love you. It's not to the mirror, it's to you. You say, well, I, I don't understand that. Is that just some newfangled psychology that you're giving us? No, I'm not. I'm not. 
I like the little poster of the little kid that says, I'm really something special because God don't make no junk. Oh, I love that. I'd put that in every home. I'd put it in every bathroom. I'd put it all around the world because it's the truth. God has made us, and it's time we realize we're divine creations. It's time we realize that we have within us gifts that nobody knows about. We're trying to borrow. We're trying to steal. We're trying to imitate. We're trying to do this and that, and we forget who we are. Hey, hello, good morning. You're beautiful, folks. You're uniquely beautiful, and I love that about my God. Let me, let, me, let me say something else. We love to imitate, and also we're very vulnerable to errors, mistakes. You know, big people make mistakes, and we think they haven't made a mistake because they're big. No, big people make big mistakes. And sometimes we look at it and we figure, if they did it, we can do it. May God help us. And I say this from the bottom of our heart, my heart. This is why we see disasters in Christian living, in Christian ministry, in Christian lives. And another thing is, like I started saying, we dare to do it our way. No way. Let me talk about the most perfect move of God on the first face of the earth. Some people may find it was creation, Genesis 1, 1 to 7, and down uh, through the first three chapters of Genesis. Now, to me, the most perfect move in Christian, better said, in the Bible, is when God told the disciples that he was leaving. Jesus said, I'm going. But he said two things to them that are so important. One, I'll not leave you alone. I don't know about you, but there isn't a more frightening feeling than loneliness. To think that your wife won't be there, to think that your husband won't be there, to think that your children won't be there, children to think that their parents won't be there. There, there is just a sense of feeling, and, 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 and we've got to get a hold of it. We've got to understand. Loneliness can be the creature that ruins our entire life. Now, Jesus said to the believers, you will never be lonely. Never. Isn't that interesting? He said, but Sister Amy, why do I pass so many lonely nights? I cry myself to sleep sometimes. Yeah, because we're not conscious of who's with us. We're not conscious of the divine presence. We're not conscious of the Holy Spirit that is literally whispering to you all day long and you're not even listening. He's saying, I'm with you and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I walk by your side. I talk with you. I've been given the command post of the saints. I've been given the command post of all those that believe in God, that believe in me. It's so important that we understand that he is with us. Okay, now, on the day of Pentecost, let, let me, let me I, I explained it here. Every Christian, every believer sitting in this room today has, a, has, has the Holy Spirit in them. Let me be very clear, because I, 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 would, I would not be telling biblical truth. It's like I said here in the, in the little article. We're wooed by the Spirit. We're invited by the Spirit to believe. We are taken in. The moment your heart says, hey, I think I'm going to try that, Jesus. These folks are doing well. They're looking good. Their lives are turned around. People are getting healed. 
Lives are being put together. Young people are doing magnificent work. Hey, I think I'm going to, I think that's the wooing of the spirit. When you sit there and say, wow, you know something? I'm missing what they have. Maybe, maybe this is what I need. That's the way you think it's your mind. You think you're evaluating. Yes, it is your mind, but it's the wooing of the spirit telling you that what you need is Jesus, telling you that what your life needs is Jesus, telling you that if you get him, you will be satisfied. Isn't this marvelous? Isn't this marvelous? Now we have that experience, which is with him. You say, well, well, why is this so different? Ah, because Jesus was with his disciples in three different occasions and he blew on them the Holy Spirit. So there are moments of being touched. There are moments of having the wind of the Spirit come upon you. But infilling, infilling. Now that's a deep and personal experience that God wants you to have. Nobody can give it to you. Because that's another big happy time that we have today. You'll sit in front of people and they'll tell you, listen, we're going to get you filled with the Spirit in 10 minutes. Get ready, set, go. Now, goo, goo, ga, ga, ma, ma, lu, lu, ba, ba, ooh, 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 uh, uh. They can, music is going. People are telling you and all of a sudden somebody's turning you around like you were a windmill. And there you are. She got it, she got it, she got it. Hey, let me tell you how that comes. Let me tell you how that comes. First of all, the scripture says there was a perfect move of God. They were waiting in Jerusalem in an upper room. They'd been there 10 days. You say, Sister Amy, was that fasting and prayer all 10 days? Listen, I kind of believe they went out for a cup of coffee. I kind of believe they went out for a cup of soup. I kind of believe they went home to check on the family. What do you do, leave them for 10 days? I think they did a lot of things but always came back to the same place to do the same thing. Wait on God. What does it say? First of all, they were, what was their feeling? In one accord. In one accord. We want to go out and tell the world he rose again. Jesus said, don't say a word till you're filled. We want to proclaim this God. Not a word till you. We want prophetic knowledge so we can tell about Israel. Not a word until you're filled. And how did it go? On that beautiful day, they were in one accord. And what does one accord mean? One feeling. And that's why it's so important for us in God's house to have one feeling. You see, Sister Amy, that's very hard. There's maybe six, uh, 600 or more of us here this morning. How can we all feel one thing? Well, if you're focused on the Lord, you can. We can. We can. We can touch the hem of his garment. We can be filled with the Spirit because, you see, we're connected down here with smiles and laughter and sitting next to each other. But there's a connection that's going on here that has nothing to do with anyone. It's you and God. You touch and you reach and you receive and He's with you. And you're saying amen and you're saying thank you. God, thank you. Jesus, I love you. That's one of my favorite phrases. Jesus, I love you. Because no one ever did more for me than Jesus. No one will ever do more for you than Jesus. He's the one that's done the greatest for you. So keep that in mind. On the day of Pentecost, that was the day, 50 days right after uh, the Passover. They were in a beautiful feeling. 
but it was a beautiful attitude, an attitude of obedience. Go to Jerusalem and what? Wait. How many know it's hard to wait? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Oh, God, is it hard to wait. Oh, you know what I tell people? Don't tell me you're going to give me something until you give it to me. Because I even get angry in the wait. I, I, I don't get nicer. I don't get sweeter. And there may be a time that I'll box so loud that I won't even get what they're going to give me. Because well, what's, what's she so upset about? Well, kids are the same way. Do you ever notice your kids? Mama, mama. I mean, kids can tear your clothes off your back. I learned very early in motherhood, promise nothing. Yeah, very early. Because you see, you make the promise because you think you're going to keep the calm. And then you make the promise and then they come, Ma, you promise. Ma, you promise. Ma, you promise. Ma. You know what I feel like? I feel like Godzilla. <laughs> and I learned early, don't make any promises. Please don't. Wait. Hey, folks. Wait on the Lord. Wait. You young people that are looking for sweethearts, wait on the Lord. You want that perfect girl? Ain't never going to get her. But wait on the Lord. <laughs> the perfect girls are 66 and 80. the same thing with the, with the girls waiting. You say, Sister Amy, but I, I, I don't like, no, nobody likes to wait. Don't you see, now, don't, don't, I'm not getting on you, I just want to talk to you sweetly. Don't you realize, wrapped up in the sin package, wrapped up in the sin package of flesh, wrapped up in the sin package of the world, wrapped up in the sin package of Satan himself, everything is, hey, yesterday, come on. When do you want that? Yesterday. What are we saying? Hurry up! No, everything with God is wait. And don't be, don't... You see, let me tell you what waiting does. Waiting, you say it gives you agita. You say it gives you nerves. Believe it or not, waiting has a way of putting things into perspective because it takes you to such a point of anxiety that you then have to turn the plate over and say, cuando llega, llega. When it comes, it comes, and that's it. And that, and that is beautiful because it's important for us to know. Whether it be a promotion you're waiting for, whether it be money that somebody promised, whether it be whatever it is. I think of these patients waiting for transplants. God, what a waiting time. But the Bible says, wait, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then I want to tell you what happened in Jerusalem. Suddenly, suddenly, now this is important for me to tell you, suddenly, suddenly, you know, what's this with suddenly? I'll tell you what's this with suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly, not provoked. Oh, how we love to get the groove going. We think we're moving the Holy Spirit. Hacha, hacha, hacha. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say, whoa, hey, we're moving the whole pot. No. 
they were still, they were quiet, they were waiting, and suddenly, like if in this place, a mighty rushing wind would come through right now. We did nothing to provoke it. We did nothing to egg it on. And even when you do provoke it, what comes is not the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God. It's not provoked. Well, let me tell you, neither is it anticipated. It's, it's there. It's there. Have you ever said, when I was searching for the Spirit, the people would stand in front of my face and say, Casi, casi, lo tiene, lo tiene. Ay, 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 ay. And I I was dying. It's, it's almost, no. It's not provoked or anticipated. Wanting, yes. Wanting, yes. Then a mighty blowing wind. And I love what the Bible says. You know where it came from? Heaven. 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 I remember a sweet lady in Thessalonica, my dad's church. She was washing dishes. And in the washing of dishes, she told the Lord, Lord, they're telling me that I can get it anywhere. And you know, I can hardly leave the house. I don't know how many children she had, seven, eight, nine, or 10, but she had a lot of kids. Lived on 137th Street, past St. Anne's. But she wanted so much to receive it. And one of these days, in the, one of those days in the low sinks, you remember the old sinks? In the old uh, apartments, she was washing dishes. And all of a sudden, she felt something so good. Ay, que bueno. It was so good that she very gently sat down. Didn't knock her down. She sat down in front of the sink. And right there, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, uh, praising God. And she said she had to stop in between to laugh. Ay, lo tengo. <laughs> now that's laughing in the spirit, do you hear me? Not, not those that roll out and, well, shoot, give me a break. You laugh in the spirit because there is laughter in the spirit. But once again, neither anticipated nor what? Provoked. No. She sat there and she laughed and thanked the Lord. I remember another sweet friend of mine whose husband had beat her up and thrown her down two flights of steps. Ended up in the old Lincoln Hospital. Her ribs were pasted together, tied together. She walked in with her broken arm. Her husband was an alcoholic. Her name was Provi. And she walked in and it was beautiful time in Thessalonica. It was a week I was filled with the Spirit. And there were seven others that were filled. And uh, oh, there was a lot of hop, skip, and jump. And you know, you know, been to, been to Pentecostal church? I've been to one? Well, 50 years ago, they were really riding high, okay? And Provi came in, and I looked at Provi, and my heart broke. I said, Provi, what are you doing here? She says, I came to receive the baptism. And she's walking to the front, and I'm serving like a, like a bridge. Don't, don't, don't anybody touch her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I found the, the extreme corner. And then I wanted to put chairs around her. Nobody go near her. She's got four broken ribs. She is not well. All we need is one of these clowns to come and say, put your hands up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said, oh, I don't want anybody to touch her. And I'm watching her. And I watched her during the whole service and I watched her during prayer time. When I went up to help her, to take her home, she looked at, uh, up at me and she was speaking in tongues. Soft, the sweetest tongues I've ever heard. And she was just trembling there with her arm and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, folks, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit wants to fill the lives of anybody that's hungry. If it's a battered body with ribs broken, it, it, it's not going to be a go-go dance. You don't have to worry about that. He is gentle and kind. And he feels to overflowing. My dad had a very extreme experience. He became pastor under dire situation. Very dire situation. By that I mean a pastor had gone astray. And he was the head elder. And they sought other people to come and my father had the training of a lay Methodist minister, and they said, well, you take it over. I was about to graduate. I just needed another six months at Central Bible College. And my dad said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over the church. I said, fine, Dad. And about three months later, he called me up. I don't know, I don't know how many months, but he called me up, and he says, Amy, I'm having trouble. I says, que pasa, papi? He says, well, the elders say that I don't speak in tongues, so I can't be their pastor. And I have always been, you know, mucha cabeza. I said, Daddy, who wants to sit in the seat? That's the first question I asked him. He says, I don't know. I says, what are you going to do? He says, no, 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 Nena. I'm just calling you up to tell you there's victory. I said, what victory? This is Friday night. He says, I call you up because I tell you, the Holy Spirit told me to invite them all to church to a prayer meeting. And at 12 midnight, I would speak all the tongues they want to hear. I'm in Springfield, Missouri, thinking my father had flipped the lid. I mean, how do you get time? How do you get place? How do you, how do, you do this? And sure enough, he did that. His elders and the rest of the church that wanted to be with him, there they were in Thessalonica, everybody behaving like they should and praying and crying out to God. I mean, revival for my father, revival for my father was this, hallelujah, hallelujah. When my father was doing that in the pulpit, he was, he was on fire. I mean, you're, that, that's the max. Everybody was crying out and screaming and it was 12 midnight. He says, Amy, I didn't even look at the time. I just sat there and put my hands up. And everybody screaming and shouting. And my dad spoke more tongues than all of them there. Yeah. Oodles and oodles of tongues. They heard tongues for morning service. They heard tongues for night service. They heard tongues for in between. Everything they wanted to hear, they heard that midnight hour. God confirmed his ministry in that way. And guess what? Never spoke again. Never spoke again. Why? Because it wasn't his gift. The speaking in tongues is a gift. The initial evidence, everybody has it. But that you continue to speak, you don't have to continue to speak unless God gives you the gift. 
Sometimes people continue in imitation because somebody else won't believe that they have the Holy Spirit. Hey, who cares what somebody else believes? You know you were filled. You know you came to overflowing. And that is all that counts. Oh, folks, I've got to tell you something. It is so important that we understand the work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, his work is eternal. What the Spirit does in the church, what the Spirit does in our lives, isn't, isn't a whimsical situation. It isn't a new computer put in. No. It's eternal. It was given to us before the foundations of the world. And let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not into changes. He's not into changes. He's into transformation, but he's not into changes. Do you hear me? Listen to me carefully. The Holy Spirit is not into, and I put the word in Spanish because I love it. He's not into rafagas. What does that mean? You know, schwa. The Holy Spirit isn't into shows. He's not into shows. He's not into, he's not into making us performers. We're to, behave, we're to be intakers. Oh, hallelujah. He will be in us. He will be with us. And from the bottom of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. You will have blessings you don't know where they're coming from. And you will feel a joy. I had that beautiful experience with my daughters. Debbie would come and say to me, Mama, I feel so good in here. But Mama, look, like, like, like it goes up and down. And in that, those days, there was a little song in Puerto Rico. Una bolita que me sube y que me baja. A little ball that goes up and goes down. And she said to me, oh, mama, but it's just like that. I said, honey, it's the Lord. And I remember her looking into my face and saying, wow. I love that because wow is a million words. Wow is saying, can God do that for me, just a little girl? Yes, he can. Praise his holy name. He's eternal. He's not into... And he's not into habits. Did you know that the Holy Spirit does not have not one habit? What do I mean by that? We have habits. We love habits. They're part of our constitution and they're part of our makeup. Have you ever heard somebody saying, I always do it this way. We're creatures of habit. The Holy Spirit is always new. He's always fresh. He's always beautiful. He's always timely. He's always there. And no matter where you are, I can be ready to give a benediction on, on the date of the, those tremendous sail-ins. Uh, and I'm standing there scared to death. In front of me is the Prince of Spain and all the dignitaries of New York and Washington. And I've got to get up and give a, uh, uh, the man called me up the day before and he says, listen, we'll give you 40 sec 30 seconds and you have to mention these 14 items. I said, fine, I'll do it. See you tomorrow morning. Well, first of all, they're asking me to pray. The one in charge of prayer is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost knows all about time. 
I said, Lord, how can I do it? One of these days, I'll give you the poem because I've got it. I've got it. I mentioned all the 14. I think I threw in an extra one. Hmm, 15 for that. <laughs> mentioned everything I could. Had a blessing for every aspect of the sailing. Had a blessing for, matter of fact, Zeta, you heard me that day on TV and CNN. And she says, I know that voice. <laughs> and looked down and there she saw me. Well, I have to tell you something. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because you don't do it in your ability to do it. You don't do it because you can do it. You do it because you've got a job on earth and he's promised never to leave you or forsake you. He has promised to be there with you. And when you're in a tight spot, he's promised to take you out of that tight spot. I'm talking about moments when you want to worship. Better said, you want to witness to the truth of God. And you, you say, well, I don't have words. I'm not a preacher. I always remember folks coming to me in crossroads. I said, you know, Pastor, when I'm working, there's so many times I wish you were at my desk. Well, the only reason they want me at, my de at their desk was to beat up everybody that came to give them a hard time. But uh, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is precious, his person. Now let me tell you about, let me tell you a little bit about the work of the Spirit. He doesn't have habits. He is God. He's not a loose spirit. Are you hearing me? He's not, what's the latest one out? That little spirit, all the pictures about. Thank you. Oh, what a good church I have. Totally consecrated to Hollywood. But that's okay. No problems. He's not a Casper. Uh, do you understand? He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not. The Holy Spirit is not a loose spirit. It's not, he's not somebody hanging out in space. Demons do. Demons do. They hang out in space. Matter of fact, any house that's been cleaned, any heart that's been washed, any person regenerated, any person transformed, the spirits that were in there before come back and they're waiting for a day when they can get back into the house. But they're not going to get back into our house because it's going to be filled with God. It's going to be filled with promises. It's going to be filled with love. It's going to be filled with grace. There isn't a demon that can fit in again. And we cast all evil spirits away from us in Jesus' name. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, they cannot resist. Listen to me carefully, folks. I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is to give those that come in an experience of light and conviction. That's called salvation when it's accepted. The Holy Spirit is here to fill us to fill us to overflowing. That's called baptism in the Holy Ghost. Once you're filled, then you get direction. Hey folks, Jesus knows how to say north, south, east and west. The Holy Spirit knows direction. Are you hearing me? We're confused, but he's not. We don't always know what to do, but he does know what to do. Once again, let's revert to the very first thing we talked about. Waiting on him. Isn't it hard? He'll tell you what to do. I have made, God has taught me so many lessons in Crossroads. One of the most beautiful lessons, and I've said it over and over again, and I'll share it with you. When we were a tiny little church there, we started with 36, 37 people, but we only had 36 chairs. 
And I know there were 37 people because there was one man standing. And I remember how beautiful, even though the group was small, I was so happy. I was so blessed. We only used half of the little chapel because the other one, all the debris was falling from the ceiling. And then we started to polish up the place and paint it up and it started to look good. We got new floors and we got curtains and we got rugs and, and we did a lot of things. Thank, thank the good Lord and his people. We did beautiful. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody was there for the first time, who are you? And they tell me, this is Dr. So-and-so who works out of St. Barnabas Hospital. Whoa, mm, okay, feeling kind of good, got a doctor in the house. All right. Then all of a sudden I start to count my school teachers. There was a time we had over 15 of them, including my precious Nancy. Mmm. Then I start to count my artists, Cheryl, Andre. Mmm. Oh, this place is really blossoming. And I stood there like, you know, fat cat. Look what's coming to my church. And I went to prayer and I said, Lord, now help me. I've got, I've got to get my language right. I've got to start talking right. These people are heavily educated. Oh, Lord, you've got it. Mm. Oh, Lord, you've got it. Uh, let me be. Those are my tongues. And one day in honest and sincere prayer, I'm crying before the Lord. And the Lord says to me, and he talks, listen, the Lord talks Bronx. Yeah, because he knows that's the only thing we understand. And the Lord said to me, listen, who's in charge? I said, what do you mean who's in charge? I'm in charge. All you have to do is be faithful in your studying be faithful in waiting on me. Be faithful in calling before me. You see, you get the bread ready. I cut the pie. Wow. Then I realized I don't have to preach to a doctor. I don't have to preach to school teachers or superintendents of schools. I don't have to preach to the big shots. All I have to do is tell the truth of God's word. He'll take it forth. You see, folks, when the Holy Spirit is in charge, when the Holy Spirit is in charge, he is the one that does the work. You know who is affirming your heart? You know who is giving you hunger for the word? You know who is loving you with an undying love? You know who makes you keep coming back when you don't want to come back? It's the power of the Holy Ghost working in your lives. And it's important. Now also we have, we have before us, and this is important folks, I don't want you to forget it. The work the Holy Spirit does in us. First of all, he's the giver of gifts. The, the apostle Paul says, ask God for a gift. And he is the one that gives gifts. It was John the Baptist who filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And he talked about the Holy Spirit and he talked about it as an impact. 
He talked about the Holy Spirit as a purifier. And then he talked about the Holy Spirit as a burning element. I like that. There are times that there are wounds that must be burnt to get out all the infection, to get out all that might contaminate the body. The Holy Spirit's in charge of that. And you know what the Holy Spirit would do? You know, the scripture is so beautiful. It says he will not speak about himself. Isn't that interesting? I think it's very interesting. And this is what makes me know that God is God and the Holy Spirit is God. The only one he ever talks about is Jesus. The only one he ever talks about is about the Lord and his ministry. It was his job and he was given that job. He was given the job to reveal Jesus. He was given the job that opened the eyes of people. And that's why you will very rarely hear a prophecy that says, I, the Holy Spirit, say to you today, no. Because the Holy Spirit tells everything he knows about Jesus. And he's the one that gives us the divine direction. Very rarely mentions himself. Now let me tell you something. I remember going to my dad's church and I hated my dad's church. I want you to know that. I didn't like it because it was Pentecostal. I didn't like it because everybody had long hair. I didn't like it because no one wore makeup. I didn't like it because they were never without stockings. I didn't like it because they didn't like open toe shoes. I didn't like it because they didn't like the seams in the back of the stock. Oh, I can go down. I had about 142 things I didn't like. I could write all night and all day. But you say, that's the capriciousness of people that want to be holy, not in the power of the Holy Ghost, but in the power of human cloning. There isn't a scripture that will sustain other than the big word, worldliness. No, no, that's not, that's not right, okay? And maybe that's why I'm not the favorite girl in town. But let's go on. He would be our counselor. He would teach us all things. Isn't that marvelous? And he would remind us, as I said it to you before, the Holy Spirit is the one that told and started this glorious scripture. It was the Holy Spirit that said to Moses, write it down. It was the Holy Spirit that said to the prophets, write it down. It was the Holy Spirit that said to David, write it down. It was the Holy Spirit that said to Solomon, write it down. It was the Holy Spirit that said to the apostles, write it down. I love the wisdom and the power of the Holy Ghost. You want to be strong in God? You want to be beautiful in God? You want to be lovely in God? It's not what we do, it's who we are. It's how we drink in his spirit. It's how we love him from day to day. It's how we give him reverence with our lives and with the things we do. How we prove not that we have tongues, but that we have the Holy Ghost. Not that we have a gift or a manifestation, but that we have him. He is so powerful. He will see us through. I want you to know that, folks. And I say to you this day, it's the promise of the Father. Seek it. Seek it, folks. You can be baptized anywhere you please to be baptized. In the bathroom at work, that you turn into a cathedral, 
you can be filled with the Holy Ghost at home, at night. One young lady, my staff was so beautiful. She says, I spent all night speaking in tongues. I says, well, then wake up and keep speaking. Because she had been filled. But sometimes it's the quietness almost of the subconscious that opens ourselves up to God, and there it happens. And you say, oh, sister, how many here have dreamt that you were speaking in tongues and you never have? Hey, oh, you have, okay. Hey, once you start dreaming, it's here. Once you start speaking, it's here. No problems. Say amen. amen. The Holy Spirit is in charge of the church. That's why you don't go looking for the last thing that's on the agenda. I, I've, I've had good experiences in my church, and that's why I watch, I watch it like a hawk. Why? Because I want to be faithful to God. You know, folks, there's so many things going on today, and I'm not going to criticize it. I'm just going to tell you that that which is genuine of the Spirit fills you to overflowing. That which is genu genuine of the Spirit doesn't make you nervous. Uh, that we have some characters, and hey, believe it or not, they have my same title. They're ministers, and they belong to the assemblies of God. What can I tell you? We got a good crowd going. But I don't want any man blowing on me. I want the Holy Spirit to blow on me. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? I'm sorry. You say, Sister Amy, you're, you're almost against anything that's really nice and beautiful. No, no. We're into the go-go. You know that. Where is it hot? Where is it happening? Where is it going? No, no, not me. Me, me, me. Come on in here. That's why I tell my men that fall asleep. Come on in. Fall asleep. It doesn't bother me. Joseph, did you see that one? He slept through your whole sermon. God bless him. You know what's beautiful to me? That he's here. You know what's beautiful to me? One of these days, he's not going to sleep. One of these days, the Holy Spirit is going to give him such a shake-up that his eyes are going to bulge. But I want him here. I want her here too. You hearing me? Let's pray.